This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emrys, CPA with Parmels and Associates. No one ever expects things to go wrong, but if they do, are you covered? Unfortunately for a lot of my clients, they find out that they are uninsured or underinsured in key areas of their business when it's too late. I want to take some time this week to talk about a couple of those examples so that maybe you can be better prepared than they were. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Let's face it, your shop management system is the most critical tool in your shop. Napatrax will move you into the SMS fast lane with on-site training, six days a week support, and local representation. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Great news. You now have a hiring partner to help you with the heavy lifting of hiring your next superstar. Introducing Promotive, a full-service staffing solution for your auto repair shop. Visit them online at gopromotive.com. Just like having a great accountant, lawyer, and other professionals in your corner, making sure that you have a good insurance agent is just as important. And I feel like that this is something that is often overlooked or an afterthought. Hey, what do I care? I got garage keeper. I got workers comp, right? That's what they make me have and I have it. What am I, what is there to worry about? A ton. A lot. Luckily, if you're saying that, you've probably never been into that situation, but a lot of my clients have. And the reason why I wanted to do this episode is really similar to how I take a look at the issue of fraud. Most people are caught off guard by it because it's a unique situation for them. They've never experienced it before or else they probably would have safeguards in place. And so when I talk about other people's struggles and other people's own incidents of this, It's not to make light of it or to use this for just episodes. It's really hopefully to give you a lot of clues of, hey, this might not ever happen to you, a friend, a relative, but this stuff is happening. And if it's relatively inexpensive and easy to get, wouldn't you sleep a little bit better knowing that you're protected? And you aren't going to be able to see what is covered or not in that 50, 75 page document that your insurance agent sends you every single month. And what about the stuff that you aren't even thinking of? You might be looking to say, hey, am I covered if a meteor runs into the side of my building? Okay, but what about some other things that you might have never imagined? I'm trying to give you an idea here of you don't know what you can't expect. How are you knowing if you're going to be protected by something if you're not even expecting it to ever happen? And that's exactly when the knowledge of a professional comes into play. This is their only business. Just like a lot of people ask me, Han, how did you understand that? Or how do you know that this could happen? A lot of this I've learned over the years because I've seen other clients make mistakes And I use that as teaching moments for my other clients to hopefully avoid the same. Insurance agent is the same way. Hey, you know what? One of my clients had the same issue a couple of years ago, and we realized that there was a gap in his coverage. Now I recommend that all of my clients need to do this and this to make sure that doesn't happen to them. This is exactly what you need to be doing. And if you don't have an insurance agent that you can call and sound stuff off of, or even do what they call sometimes an insurance audit, which is coming out, taking a look at that, watching how you operate the business and seeing if they can spot gaps in coverage or places where you have coverage, but not enough to cover what you have going on. Now, the first example that we're going to talk about here is probably the most common out of all, maybe not the most common, but definitely the biggest one out of all that we're talking about here. And it's a lot of people's concern, and that's fire. It's everyone's worst fear. 
You guys are working on bombs that have four wheels. Some of these having 20, 30 gallons of gasoline in there. Maybe you're taking down the gas tanks. Maybe you're not messing with it. But just look around your shop. How many cans of brake cleans do you have? How many gallons of oil do you have laying around there? It is a ticking time bomb. And even if you have the best intentions and the best protection, unfortunately, it's the nature of the industry here. Now, I'm going to knock on some wood. We have not had a fire in one of our client's shops in a very long time. The weird thing was is, I guess this was, it's weird to think about it this way, but every time I think, how long ago was that? And I think, was that pre-post-COVID? And I want to say that was must have been 2019. I had three clients that had pretty significant fires in their shop over the span of about three weeks. Now, no, this was not an arson. This was not someone targeting Parmelis and Associates clients. They're in all different states and really all different reasons. Well, one of them, I don't think they ever figured out. The other two were actually caused by batteries from impacts exploding on their chargers. We're not going to get into that, but you've probably heard people talk about it. Damaged batteries, just like you see in some of these electric vehicles, they do catch on fire once they get too hot and can do some really wacky stuff. But the other one I want to tell you about is the one that I don't believe that they ever figured out what the exact cause was. So this is one of my clients up in the Northeast on the East Coast here, and he unfortunately had a fire in his shop. Got a call in the middle of the night one night. He lives in a small town. One of his longtime clients called him up and saying, hey, shop's on fire. You probably should get down here, which... I always think is a little bit of a funny thing. Obviously, if there's a small fire and I'm there, I'm going to get my fire extinguisher. I'm going to try to put it out. But if it's really engulfed on it, it's like, all right, I'm not sure what me being here is going to help anything. That's what we have the firefighters for to hopefully salvage what they can. And unfortunately for my client, they really were not able to salvage just about anything. And one of the major causes of that is because he is up north, he had a ton of tires that he stores for his clients. And so the way that his business model works, and this could be a little tip for some of you guys up north as well, is almost all of his clients run summer tires and they run snow tires. And a lot of people hate the idea of, all right, I'm going to go swap out my summer tires and put on my snow tires. Then they're going to give me these trash bags full of my tires. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to drag it down into my basement. And then when the spring hits, I'm going to come back, take it to my mechanic. He's going to put those tires back on, rinse, repeat. You do that two times a year, every single year for the rest of your life. People hate that. It's gross. It's dirty. It's annoying. You don't want that stuff taking up your space. Or maybe you're in an apartment that you just don't have the storage area. And so what he does for his clients is, I'm not sure if he charges for this. I think he does charge a small amount for it, but people will happily pay it. And I actually think he ran out of room at some point. But what he does is say, hey... Mr. and Mrs. Client, instead of you taking all this home and carrying dirty wheels or dirty tires back and up and down your stairs, why don't you just let me store them here? I'll store them all here. That way you can drive in. I'll put on the other tires. You drive out and you don't have to mess with any of this stuff. Now, unfortunately for this story, those tires were not the cause, right? Those tires didn't catch on fire but they probably made this entire situation much worse. I forget where it was, but a couple of years ago, maybe it wasn't that long ago, but there was a landfill which had a lot of used tires and that caught on fire and they could not put it out. Once a monstrous mountain of tires catches on fire and all that rubber starts burning, I don't care how much water you put on it. It's so hot. It will just keep on going and going. And that's what happened with his. By the time that the fire got up to the attic where all of these tires are stored, along with his regular tire inventory, it got out of control. And it was a total loss on the property whatsoever. 
Now, you might be thinking, okay, Hunt, where does the insurance come in here? Was this guy have no insurance? No, he had honestly complete insurance for the structure. He had complete insurance for his equipment. There was a couple areas, though, that he found out after the fact that he was not insured for. One of those was the toolboxes of his technicians. Now, the contents inside of the building were loosely defined, and there was limitations on it. And so there could be some argument made here that the technician's tools should have been covered on this, but it was probably already completely exhausted by just replacing the regular shop equipment on there. And especially think about this for you. Right. Think about when you started your business and you probably talked to your insurance agent and you gave them values for how much equipment and tooling that you have in there. Is that relevant today? And that's what we think happened with my client. Now, some of this stuff is absolute true. Some of this is paraphrasing to prove a point here. But one of the big things that a lot of people don't think about is, hey, some of these you have limitations on. All right, my all my tooling is covered up to a maximum replacement value of 200 grand. If I spend $100,000 this year to buy all my stuff, I'm going to be in pretty darn good shape. But what if I never adjust that plan? I would hope that my insurance agent would come to me and say, hey, Hunt, you started your business 10 years ago. 200 grand doesn't mean as much as it did back then. We should start upping these rates. A lot of them don't. And so if this stuff was set up, it might have been twice as much as you needed to replace the stuff that you had inside of your property today, but maybe not 20 years from now, right? Or maybe not the same as it was 20 years ago. So this is not a set it and forget it. This is something that needs to be reevaluated. I don't think it needs to be reevaluated every year, but I don't think it'd be a bad idea to at least touch in with your insurance agent to just see if there's anything new any different packages that are coming out there, or maybe cost savings of looping all of your different insurance packages together to have a little bit of synergy and overall cost savings. Some of the tooling inside was not covered, but one of the biggest things here that was not covered at all was all of those tires and wheels that he was storing for his clients. Now, some of his tire inventory was covered, but again, he got into a situation where he just hit the max. Hey, I don't care what it is. We're giving you $500,000. You've already spent it. So anything else, even if it was covered, it's going to hit the limitation. Now, I don't remember off the top of my head of how many wheels and tires that his clients had, but it was a lot. How do you think that these clients are going to feel if he goes to them and he says, hey, you know what? I had a fire. It's all gone. You're going to have to buy new ones from me. Now, they probably will understand, right? I don't think that they're going to think that my client set his own building on fire or did this deliberately on it. But if you're that client, you're still going to feel a little bit uneasy, right? Man, I just bought those brand new tires from you like a month. I feel terrible that your building burned down, but I also am not really pumped to buy the same set of tires and wheels five months later. Pretty cool for him. Obviously, this was big stories. He's in a smaller town and he really felt that it was his responsibility to pay for this stuff. And after I talked to him a little bit after all this was starting to wrap up, He did mention that a lot of his clients did refuse. They said, hey, I get it. I know that's not covered. I do not want you to pay for this. Those tires were older. Those tires were two years old. I'm not going to make you pay for me for new tires or new wheels. Now, some of them pay for the whole thing. You know what? It's the least I can do. This is me giving back to you for taking care of us in the community for years. A lot of other ones came to some sort of settlement. Hey, you know what? Don't worry about the wheels. Give me some new tires. I'll get some new wheels for it and we'll move about our day. Another thing that he was not covered for on there was all of the loss of revenue. This was a massive cleanup project, obviously with the environmental concerns. 
And then just construction takes forever on a good day, let alone with your dealing with insurance agents. Let's face it, your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. You need Napa Tracks because it integrates with all the major players, including Napa ProLink, PartsTech, OE RepairLink, Epicor, TireConnect, Mitchell One Pro Demand, and more. Napa Tracks has leading edge tools and technology that your shop needs right now. Unlike the other guys, we'll be there after your installation with the best training and support in the business. Your training includes a learning management system that is tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. For over 30 years, Napa Tracks has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at napatracks.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Shop owners, are you struggling to find and retain top-tier talent for your automotive shop? Introducing Promotive on the web at gopromotive.com. With over 40 years of combined industry and recruiting experience, we're the ultimate staffing solution. We go beyond traditional agencies. Our team provides dedicated recruiters and account managers advising on processes, compensation, and benefits. We focus on placing technicians and service advisors with shops that offer the best culture, training, and long-term growth opportunities. Trust our experience to match the right talent to your shop. We carefully select shops that value employee excellence and provide an environment for success. Our dedicated team leads the entire process, leveraging our industry knowledge and expertise. Partner with Promotive and experience their advantage to help you build a high-performing team that drives your shop's growth. Visit gopromotive.com today and let us help find and keep the best talent in the industry. There's one thing that a lot of people don't realize. Hey, that's great that you're completely covered. The insurance is going to pay for the replacement of the structure, replacement of all the equipment, all the inventory. Let's say that they were going to cover all of your physical contents of that. Great. What about being closed down for 12 months? What about you not being able to serve your customers? What about your employees not having a place to go? Who is going to pay for that? And loss of revenue is a rider that usually goes on to your general liability insurance. Again, a lot of people have this loss of revenue. How much is it going to pay? If this was set up 10 years ago when you were averaging $10,000 a month, $500,000 in lost revenue might seem like an infinite amount of money. Flash forward to today where you're doing $200,000 a month, probably not going to be able to get that building built by the time that coverage lapses or comes to a maximum amount. Last one on here, and this is all just relating to fire, and then obviously I'm stringing off to a couple other things, is personal injury. A lot of times there's, again, coverage for personal injury as it relates to fire or any sort of disaster like this, but are the limitations enough? Now, what about if you say, Hunt, I need to just be protected from stuff that I don't even know about. So how do I know if the personal injury is going to cover that? How do I know if it's going to be on this policy or that policy? There's actually one that we're going to talk about as the last example here that covers your bases on things that you might not have ever thought of or when you do reach some of these limits. Now, one of this next example that I'm going to talk about is related to employment lawsuits or really any sort of employment issues. And this is probably, this is definitely the least common of the ones we're talking about today. And it's something that I almost never see clients do until they have an issue or until they find out about it. 
And so this is called EPLI, Employment Practices Liability Insurance. I might have got that P wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's right. And what this does is it protects you from lawsuits and judgments and fines and all kinds of stuff related to employment, hiring practice, discrimination, workplace issues like sexual harassment, bullying, as well as overtime and wage issues. Now, the overtime and wage issue is a big piece of that. And this example we're going to talk about here in a second is really just related towards that. Not all EPLI insurance has coverage for wage and overtime issues. So again, got to make sure that all of this is in there because there's no two insurance policies are the same. Just like health insurance, if you probably don't know exactly what the limitations are unless you have a good agent until you actually need to go use these. The wage and overtime is a major concern for a lot of my clients because it is ever-changing. And in a number of states, it seems like everything is subject to overtime, no matter what you do as a business owner. California gets a bad rap for a lot of things, but this one is truly probably one that's merited. Overtime is something like I... Overtime is something that I am very cautious about because the stakes are very high. And if I ever have a client that calls me up and there is a gray area on if the employee has overtime or should be paid overtime or not, I generally tell people, hey, when in doubt, pay overtime. Obviously, you need to check with lawyers on this. You need to check with different things. But if you still get, can't get a concrete answer, they're never going to get mad at you for paying overtime. If you say, "Hunt, I really don't want to pay overtime on this one then hey, either take your chances on it or find a way that person doesn't work over 40 hours a week. But as a lot of you, sometimes it's impossible and sometimes you don't even know that you're not in compliance until it's too late. This is a story about one of my clients and he is in California or was in California. He ended up retiring after this and one day was contacted by a lawyer. Hey, this is lawyer from XYZ Law Firm. I'm calling on behalf of a former employee that you have I think we have an issue here with overtime. I'm not going to go into the full details of this one. I want to protect the identity and and don't want to give out too much of people's information. But more or less, this was one of his employees during the day, worked a regular 40 hours a week, but he also had a tow truck. My client had a tow truck. And he worked out what was a very sweet deal for this employee. He said, hey, when you're working, you're going to get paid for when you work. When you're driving the truck and you're towing after hours, you're not even on the clock right? Let's keep this between me and you. We don't need to get into overtime issues, but to compensate for that, you're going to be paid commission. So essentially, I think it was like 30% of every single tow that he brought in, he got to keep that portion of it. In the long run, he got paid way more than he would have if he was hourly, even with the overtime on top of it. He was taken care of, but I think he ended up moving away or he ended up getting a new job. I don't think he actually left on the worst terms with my client, But these lawyers will find this. These lawyers put out stuff. Hey, have you ever been wronged? And they'll take the stuff on for free and they'll take a cut of the judgment. So anyways, one of these ambulance chasing attorneys got a hold of this, one of my client's ex-employees here, contacted my client and more or less said, hey, we're going to sue you and we need to get paid overtime. He consulted with his attorney on it and his attorney pretty much said, hey, even though what you did ended up being equal or more than what overtime would have been for this employee, California is extremely strict and a lot of states are very similar. If they do not see an overtime rate on a pay stub, hey, I don't care if it was paid in kind or if it's the same amount. If I don't see a line that says overtime hours, the amount of hours and the rate at time and a half, you're in trouble and you don't have a case. This lawyer advised him and said, hey, I know this thing's to do. I know it's going to hurt, 
but I would probably just settle if I was you. So they went back and forth on this because they can go back a number of years. There's legal limits of what you can go back and statute of limitations and stuff like that. But more or less, you can sue someone for whatever you want. doesn't mean that it's going to hold up in court or you'll actually win. So what they ended up settling for was like right around 80,000 bucks, I think. And he was really ready to sign this, a little bit pissed off, but just annoyed with the whole situation, but was glad to have it behind him. Was actually very shortly going to head down to the lawyer's office to drop off this check and be done with this. And he got served two more pieces of paperwork. Just like in a lot of cases that I've seen earlier, once these lawyers smell blood, they really start going even deeper. If they say, hey, we found a guy that's willing to pay on this, I'm going to start to contact all these ex-employees. He already had one ex-employee there, so he said, hey, think of all the people that you used to work there. Let's call them up. And he started lobbying lawsuits towards my client. My client saw the writing on the wall and really was nervous of when is this ever going to stop? All right, maybe I'll settle with these two other people or two more is going to come after that. And eventually this person's going to put me out of business. He really did an about face about his judgment on the entire thing and said, you know what? I'm done. I'm closing out of business. I'm retiring. You guys can get absolutely nothing because I'm walking away. And he did. Now, obviously, he couldn't have sold his actual operating business because it had a judgment against it, even though I think that one was actually civil, so a little bit different completely. But he ended up just closing it down and selling the real estate. Now, don't feel too bad for him. His shop was in a very good area in Southern California. He bought that shop in the early 70s, sold it in like 2018. So he made it like an absolute bandit. And no, no one was ever going to put a shop in there afterwards anyways. I believe that's actually been turned into condos. So his story ended up working out well, but he was already pretty close to retirement. This was that final kick out the door. What about you that think you have another 5, 10, 15, 30 years left in you? Employment issues come out of nowhere and they can really put a big crunch on you and even put you out of business. Make sure you're protected. Make sure that you talk to your insurance agent about EPLI, Employment Practice Liability Insurance, and specifically making sure you also have those wage and overtime riders in there so that you're covered from that aspect as well. I had another one pretty recently on it where it wasn't an employment-related issue as far as wages and overtime. It was actually a discrimination suit for one of my clients for some stuff that was going on at the shop. Now, I'm not going to repeat what went on at the shop. My client 100% did not condone what was going on there, but they didn't know about it, right? As soon as they found out that this stuff was going on in the workplace, they immediately removed that person, sat people down and said, hey, we didn't think we had to treat you like children, but you guys are acting like children or some of you are. We have a zero tolerance policy and we're not going to put up with it. Now, that wasn't enough for the employee that ended up leaving for some of this harassment stuff. And again, created a lawsuit had a couple other ex-employees that came. Now, luckily for my client, they do have insurance related to this stuff. So they said, hey, you know what? I'm going to give this to my insurance. They're going to fight it out. If they need to go to court, whatever, it has nothing to do with me. Just like if you get into a car accident, if the person sues you, you don't have to show up in court. State Farm Insurance is going to fight on your behalf. And how hard do you think the insurance is going to fight? pretty darn hard. Those lawyers work for these insurance companies. They never make that business decision of, hey, how much can I make with my hourly rate? No, the insurance agent says, we do not want to pay anything in court. So fight like hell that we can win this and get off with no sort of judgment. So next one on here is loaner cars in shop vehicles. I hope that you don't have loaner cars out there with no insurance or shop vehicles with no insurance. 
But does your insurance agent know that those are loaner cars? I heard this, one of my clients said this to me the other day, that he got some new loaner cars. He actually ended up going out and getting three loaner cars and never had them, was really excited. And calls his insurance agent to add them. And he called me up. He was like telling me that he got them because we've been talking about it for a couple months. And he said, hey, my insurance agent was being weird when I was talking about the loaner cars and saying, I'm not sure if that's covered. So I just said, oh, never mind. These are just going to be for us. We're not going to use it because it sounded like he didn't want them on there. And I said, time out. That is a major issue, buddy. Yeah, if no one ever gets in an accident, who cares on this? But if they do get an accident, one of these customers gets in an accident and you're insurance saying, hey, you never told us that you had customers driving this. You can now be effectively uninsured. Hang up the phone and go and call an insurance agent back and say, hey, can I get these added on? How much is it going to cost? And if you guys won't do it, then I need to go find someone else that will. Do not try and pull a fast one on your insurance agent. They don't lose, right? They might not notice now, but I guarantee you when you go to make a claim, that's when they do all their research. If you're going out and you're doing whatever you want, your insurance agent doesn't really care because until they have a claim against them, it doesn't affect them. That's when the insurance agents start getting investigators. They start going down through. They're almost like detectives to a certain degree. If you show up and call up an insurance company, even health insurance, they record all of those phone calls because they're trying to catch you in a trap. Insurance fraud is a major thing and it is a real thing. Be very careful. Lying to your accountant is not fraud, right? I'm not going to sue you for fraud. In a lot of situations, lying to your insurance agent actually can be. And that's criminal. Now, for shop vehicles... The big thing on shop vehicles that I see a lot is if they're insured in your personal name, then that is not a business vehicle. That is your personal vehicle. Now, if that personal vehicle is being used for business purposes, you could blur the lines on legal protection for you personally. But the bigger thing on the shop vehicles is generally having employees driving it. That's the only situation for the actual shop trucks that I've had issues. Hey, that was not an authorized driver on this. Now, a lot of times this is what happens when someone has a personal insurance policy that's converted over for business use because generally commercial policies don't have a stated list of allowable drivers. It is very common for insurance. And for those of you that have kids know this of, hey, we will give you this rate for that Chevrolet Corvette, but little Johnny can't drive it. Just so you know that this is the rate for you guys, adults driving it. Little Johnny's driving it. We're going to have to jack up these rates. So if there's an issue and he was driving it, you are on your own. Same sort of thing can happen with shop vehicles. Hey, we gave you this rate no, thinking that you, your spouse, your family is going to be driving this. We did not know that your technicians, your service advisors, whoever, maybe even like customers bar at some time is going to be driving it. So again, don't try to hide this from your insurance agent. Be openly clear. Hey, you know what? I don't have my guys drive very much, but probably once or twice a month, my service advisor will take out my truck to go pick up parts and stuff like that. Is that okay? If something were to happen to him, am I going to be liable? Is it going to go on his insurance? How does that work? Last thing on the loaner car stuff is a lot of people think that they got all the insurance done. They're covering all their bases. Maybe they're even using a loaner car specific insurance company that knows exactly what you're doing. Really, the only time that you can end up getting burned on that one is not having the proper paperwork. So you could have all the proper insurance on this, but for a loaner car, you're probably hoping that your customer's insurance is going to cover your actual any sort of incidents on this. What ends up happening a lot of times is people figure out that they didn't get the proper paperwork signed, or maybe they give them an insurance card and they don't have enough coverage to even cover what you're driving. This is the kind of stuff that you need to be doing beforehand before it's too late. 
And for a lot of you that maybe have been burned on this in the past, you've already realized that and you've already rectified that situation. If you haven't listened to the episode before, go back and check out the loaner car episode that I did a couple months back with Laura from ARS Shop Loaner. Awesome company. They work with a lot of our clients to set up seamless systems for their loaner car program to make sure that they have the proper insurance, the proper paperwork, and the proper coverage so that you don't have any of those surprises. If you're thinking to yourself, "Hun, I don't even have any paperwork. I don't even know what you're talking about for my loaner cars. Check out ARS Loaner, arsloaner.com, Laura Tierney. Great resource, lucky to have her on our side in the aftermarket because the product that they deliver is extremely affordable and pays for itself virtually instantly. And if you have a situation like this, it will make you a lot of money and make you very glad that you had it. Now, the last one on here is for the what if. This is not meant to be all of the insurance, right? It's, wow, we talked about fire, employment, and loaner cars. No, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about that even I've never seen in all of the hundreds of shops that I've worked with over the years. And what I always advocate people is you need to have an umbrella insurance. What is an umbrella insurance? Now, this could be completely wrong, but it's an umbrella. What's an umbrella do? It covers you, it shields you from the rain. Umbrella is the exact same idea. And the thing about it this way, let's say that you were to have garage keepers, workers' comp, health insurance, employment insurance, loaner car insurance, that is all there in a big pile. What is protecting all of that in case things are to get exhausted? That's where the umbrella insurance comes in there. Now, some people have to have this. Some banks will require it with loans to carry a million, $2 million umbrella policy on top of your regular insurance. But this is what happens when things get maxed out. When shit really hits the fan and they say, hey, Everything else is tapped out and we now could be personally liable, either the business themselves or the business owners for any overages that the insurance won't cover. This is where umbrella insurance comes in there. Now what? I only had $50,000 of bodily injury coverage on my loaner cars. I just lost a judgment for $700,000. I'm staring down the barrel of having to pay a $650,000 judgment right now. But then you think to yourself, whoa, I listened to Hunt's episode and I remembered to talk to my insurance agent and I was able to add a million dollar umbrella policy on top of my insurance for fairly cheap. Now, don't quote me on this one. I haven't done one recently for a business. I have it personally and a great idea to do this personally as well. When I did mine personally, I think I got $2 million worth of coverage on it. And I believe it worked out to be about 100 bucks a month extra. Hopefully, I never have to use it, but you never know. For businesses, it's obviously going to be a little bit more. My life is not really that risky. I'm an accountant, so it's not like I have a whole lot of liability from that aspect of things. And also, because of what we do with financials and stuff like that, we have to carry a good bit of insurance already. But it's nice to have that peace of mind to say, hey, even if I undershot some of these values, even if I didn't think about every possible situation, I got this magic bullet or this kind of utility tool here that should be able to fit in and hopefully fill in the gap so that I don't get left holding the bag on this for underinsured or being completely uninsured for aspects that I didn't even think about. So like I said, this is not meant to be the end-all be-all. There are an infinite amount of riders, addendums, and separate insurance policies that can be added and should be tailored to your business and your business needs. Don't call up your buddy down the street. Don't call up your buddy from one of your coaching companies and say, hey, what do you have? Now, it's going to be a good idea to maybe see what they're using, see what they're paying, but this is all going to be so specific and it should be tailored towards you. This is not just, hey, 
you're open a business, here's the small business insurance starter package. If you do something like that, you're probably going to be overinsured one place, paying too much, underinsured somewhere that could cost you down the road. And like I said before, if you cannot call your insurance agent and talk through your business to see if you are covered, you need to find a new one. Insurance is something that we hope that we never have to use, but if we have to, you're probably glad that you have it. Don't make this realization when it's too late. Please share this with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. I just want to say thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening app. Thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.